0: Uh, Today um, is a special day for us, because we have a very special um, person that uh, she and her family were in our church family, and then God put them on mission, and uh, she is going to be coming and sharing uh, with us today. Uh, I'm going to introduce her as Abigail. That's not her given name, because she and her family serve in a part of the world, that we cannot even tell you what her na- name is today. And so she's going to have quite a, a testimony and a story for you. Before they left, she was part of our women's ministry team, uh, and I was sad that God took them away, but grateful for the opportunity that they've had to uh, uh, be able to share him with people in a broken world. So uh, we're, we're going to look forward to that. So I'm going to open us in prayer, and then we'll have um, a chance to hear from her. Father, we just give you thanks for this day, and we thank you for an opportunity as women that we are, uh, can come uh, in freedom and come to a place of worship and just fellowship and have just uh, a great time with uh, the people around our tables. And so thank you for that. Help us for the times that we just uh, don't even understand. How special and how important that can be and so father today as Abigail comes and shares I just pray that you touch our hearts as only you can uh, with her message and that father because of that that we will be more bold in who we are and sharing you father we do thank you for all that have made this possible today and we just uh, thank you for the food that we've already enjoyed and father again just give us keen minds as we hear from Abigail. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.
1: the last time I stood up here was three and a half years ago and I was saying goodbye to my family and now I return and I'm getting to say hello again. (laughs) I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. That sustained me and kept me. There were days where I felt lonely and despairing. And the simple act of baking one of your cookie recipes reminded me that you were praying for us or getting an email from one of you that just said, I don't know why, but the Lord brought you to mind today. That kept us going many, many days. So let me tell you a story. When we left uh, First Norfolk, we went to Richmond. Um, Like Gail said, we serve with the International Mission Board in in North Africa and the Middle East. Specifically, my family and I, we serve in the Middle East. Um, And you'll hear a little bit more about that as I share But we left here, and we went to Richmond, and we went to training. And wanting to work out and kind of get myself in shape before we went to the field, I thought, I'm going to start running. And I don't know if you've ever been to the International Learning Center uh, up in Richmond, but it's kind of out in the country. And uh, there's a a big compound, and it's all, you know, it's it's just beautiful farmland. But to get to the compound, you have to turn down this long road, and it's probably a mile long. And you turn down this road, and literally, you're there's farms on either side of you, cows and not sheep, but you know, other wildlife and forests and things. And then you arrive at the International Learning Center, and it's buildings, and it's all modern and everything. So I said, OK, I'm going to run uh, this road. And if I run to the end where the street sign is, there's a big, bright street lamps down there, uh, and run back to our compound. That'll be about a two-mile run, and that'll get me in shape. So I woke up the first morning, and I said, OK, uh, to my husband, uh, Sam, that's not his real name either, but that's what we'll call him. And um, I'm still getting used to it, so I'm going to say it a lot just so it gets, gets used to my my, uh, my tongue there. But. Um, I said, I'm going to go out and I'm going to run this road and I'll be back in, I don't know, maybe an hour or two hours. I didn't. I, that that's, was joking, but I thought maybe I might die on this road, so we'll just, <laughs> we'll just, we'll just tell them. It's very hilly as, as well. So <clears throat> I head out and I'm running on the compound. Everything's bright. It's about 5 in the morning. Everything's bright. The streets are lit up. I can see our building. And there's a guard shack right there at the compound before you head out into this farm road. So I get to the guard shack. And uh, just as I step beyond the guard shack, it's complete dark. I'm surrounded in complete black. I cannot see anything in front of me, literally. It's 5 in the morning, the darkest part. I can't see my feet. I can't can't see the road in front of me. I can't see the cows. I can't see the fences, the grass, anything. And I begin to panic. Literally, I'm hyperventilating and thinking, I just need to turn around and go back home. This is ridiculous. I'm, gonna, I'm now going to literally die. I can't see anything. What's out here? It's, there's woods. It's farm. There's, it's not civilized. I mean, we're in America. It's civilized. But <laughs> all these irrational fears come pouring into my mind. At the time, they felt very real. Complete dark, freezing cold. I could see my breath. And I just kept slowly taking one step in front of the other, running on this road. As I'm running, I look to my left. Some, a shadow kind of comes out of nowhere. And I kind of panic again and, and, and get anxious. And I look, oh, it's just a cow. And then I think, oh, here's a hill. Let me get to the top of the hill. If I can get to the top of the hill, then I can see down into the valley, and I'll be able to see where I'm going. No. I get to the top of the hill, and lo and behold, the valley is full of fog. So now it's black, and I have to run into the scary fog. So I keep on going. And I'm trying to slow my breathing down. I'm thinking, if I can just logically control my emotions, then I will not be afraid. And without thinking, I look down at my feet. And I can see my feet. And I can see maybe about a foot in front of my feet. I can see the road. I can see there's grass over here, and there's road in front of me. If I keep my feet right, or if I keep my eyes right in front of me, then I will know where I am. I will not veer off the path. I will not go off into the field. I will not fall out down into this ditch. I will stay on this path that has been prepared in front of me. And as I thought about that and kept my eyes focused down on the ground, I knew exactly where to go. I came to the end of the road where the light was, the stop sign. I took a deep breath, I turned around and I plunged right back into the darkness. And as long as I kept my eyes focused on that ground, I knew exactly where I was going. God gave me that experience right before we left to go overseas because that's exactly what our first three and a half years were like, exactly. And every day He brought that to my mind every time I tried to look up, I I couldn't see where we were going. There were so many days that it was complete black. I had no idea what we were doing. We were questioning our calling. We were questioning, what are we doing here? We can't even see where we're going. But as long as I kept my vision focused on the the ground in front of me, God showed us the way. And so that's what I want to share about today. Um, I have a quote here from a old, 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 old saint. I don't even know from how long ago. His name is uh, St. John of the Cross, and he said this, God leads, into, God leads into the dark night those who he desires to purify from all these imperfections so that he may bring them further onward. And this is what our first three and a half years were like serving in the Middle East. We arrived... In our country, um, I'm probably I'm not going to say it from up here in the podium. But if you come see me afterwards, uh, I'll I feel comfortable sharing it with you face to face because it is not a safe location um, in our definition of safety. It's on the news a lot, and it's one of those places you look at and you think, Oh, I could never go there. But God has done some amazing things, and He is working. So we arrived to that field in January of 2011. And when we got to the field, the first thing that I felt was, oh, I finally arrived. I have spent years preparing for this. We have spent years planning. We filled out numerous pieces of paperwork, endless, really. We went to our training. Our church sent us off. I mean, we are prepared, and we have arrived. And in that moment, that's when God stripped everything that I ever knew. He stripped us down to nothing. Imagine that you, we come here to lunch and we can fellowship with one another. We have amazing Bible study programs. Some of my best shaping and molding that I've had in my Christian walk has been because of the ministry of First Norfolk. But arriving in the field, I didn't have any of those safety nets. I didn't know how to pray without being led in prayer from, from listening to some godly woman, and, and I was learning from her. I didn't know how to study my Bible without a Bethmore Bible study. <laughs> I didn't know how to worship without an awesome pastor and a worship minister who was leading me in worship. You know, the first time we gathered as in, in a group in our home on our living room couches, and I thought, well, what are we going to do? Hmm. You know, I guess we'll just turn on iTunes and find some good worship songs and sing along. So I had to learn how to do all of that, all of my safety nets, my, my, my Christian friends. I couldn't just call my Christian friends up and say, I'm having a really bad day today. And they walked, walked with me through it. Uh, we were by ourselves. And we had to figure out how to do all that without the safety nets. But God was faithful every step of the way. He showed us as much as we needed for those moments. So we were on the field about seven weeks. It was long enough to learn how to greet someone in Arabic. And uh, we were evacuated from our country. As you know, the uh, the revolution began in the Middle East. And we were in country as the revolution began. And so we'd been seven weeks on the field in our company, uh, which is the International Mission Board. Sorry, if I say company, that's who I'm referring to. Um, And so the company called us and said, uh, we are evacuating all of our personnel from your location. So uh, we weren't even in country at the time. We had two small suitcases that were full of travel clothes, three outfits apiece, and we have a family of six, and uh, we were rerouted to a different location, and what was supposed to be a couple of weeks until things blew over ended up being 16 months in a new location. So we had spent four years preparing to go to a certain field, and within seven weeks, God reassigned us somewhere else. And we had to learn how to adapt and how to grow and how to balance. Does that mean now that we're not called to this people? And what we learned was that lostness is lostness. We went from a location that was 99.9% Muslim to a location that was 99.9 or 99.8% Muslim. That's not a whole lot of difference. <sighs> so God showed us in that time how to balance and how to plant roots or how to grow roots where you're planted. You've seen the guy with the spinning contraption and he's holding like 20 plates and he's spinning all of them. And you think, how's that possible? Well, we learned how to make it possible. You have to know when to spin what plate at what time. If you don't spin the right plate, what happens? They all come crashing down. And it was in that location that God continued to shape us and mold us and grow us just by trusting Him we all know the Great Commission, hopefully. If not, I'll read it. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We know the Great Commission and we forget that very last sentence. Jesus says... Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is what he said to us over and over and over. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Keep pressing on. I am with you. I am with you. I am never going to leave you. It didn't matter what location we are in. God said, I am with you. So after 16 months, we finally got the clear. It was a little safer uh, from the revolution. Things were slowing down. Um, And and the company let us go back to our home country. Now there were new challenges. Instead of security uh, being um, uh, aimed at one another and and kind of like wartime situation, now there were new security risks that were directly related to foreigners being in country. So this this meant learning a whole new way of life. You saw in the video the ladies covered in the veil. Uh, Actually, that video, uh, my dad put it together. I told him the story of running in the dark. And I said, can you put a video, Daddy, together? So my dad put that video together. And that, that was our location. And so those women that were veiled, that's where I was. That's what they wore. So I had to learn, if I wanted to go out by myself, how do I function in a veil? How do I walk down the street and not suffocate to death in a veil? Um, How do I share my faith with the women around me when it's not safe to walk anymore? So God, again, showed us that we have to surrender everything, everything, even our ideas and what we plan and our strategies. We have to surrender everything. There were many, many days where we felt isolated, where we were, where I was just overcome, feeling depressed. I often refer to this return to our home country as the vortex. I felt very alone uh, during that time. Um, I like Harry Potter, and, uh, or the books, the stories for kids. And in book number five, uh, which is called The Order of the Phoenix, um, this story of Harry, he's going through a, 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 deep, a deep, dark night, like I read from the quote. Um, he's challenging everything he knows about his friends. He's going through all different kinds of situations. And he doesn't understand why he feels so alone and a, and a friend of his named Luna says to him, "And the, oh, sorry. The bad guy's named You-Know-Who, if you, if you don't know the stories. They call him You-Know-Who. And so the bad guy's always trying to get Harry. And Harry's friend Luna says this to Harry, if I were You-Know-Who, I'd want you to feel cut off from everyone else. Because if, you, if it's just you by yourself, if it's just you alone, you're not as much a threat. And this is exactly what the enemy would have us to feel during that time, that we were alone, that we were cut off, that we were isolated. And when I looked, and when I looked internally at that vortex, that time of darkness, this is immediately how I felt. I was alone. I couldn't be useful. We couldn't share. We couldn't, I mean, how am I supposed to share when all I could do is go to the grocery store? Or how am I supposed to share if I'm locked down in my house and I can't even do anything? But God is working. He is faithful. He tells us His Word will never return void. He tells us, I will build my church. These are promises from Scripture. And so I had to look to those promises. I had to keep my eyes focused on that ground in front of my feet and focus on those promises and not turn inward and think, well, I'm alone and I can't be useful. So we spent about another year and a half in our location. It was becoming evident to my husband, Sam, and I that Um, The time might be coming for God to close that door. There were a lot of puzzle pieces that were involved in that. And God confirmed that when in August of this last year, 2013, we got another email that said, you have 24 hours to pack. You're evacuating again. There's specific threats that we can't tell you. And we honestly don't know. So we had 24 hours and we packed up again with just two suitcases a person and evacuated Uh, to a third location. It was in this moment that God closed the door for that country. But God is still working there. In this last season of our life, we've been uh, six months in a new location. Um, God has been teaching us and showing us and growing our vision for how to mobilize the church. See, in our location, we were the white faces who could speak Arabic a little bit. And I could share the gospel in Arabic. But I could never share the gospel as well as someone who is a native Arabic speaker. And one of the things that we began to see was that there were missionaries. There were Christians from other places like Lebanon and Syria and Egypt who God is calling out right now to go to the nations. He is calling out Egyptians go to the hard places and they're going but you know what, they don't have the training. They, they want to go, but they don't have the training that we are so blessed with here in the West. So God began to give us a new vision of teaching and training near culture believers so that they can go to some of these places and they can walk in there as a native Arabic speaker who look the culture, who know the culture because they've lived the culture and they don't have the same risks that I have. So God gave us a new vision for new possible things. He also took us to a new location that's amazing. And the people are amazing, and guess what, you know what the, what the um, percent of Muslims in that nation is? It's like 99.8, it's the same, <laughs> it's the same as the, as the other country. So we began to learn what it meant to finish well, it would have been very easy to just give up and say, we're done with this, we're going back to Virginia, I'm just gonna settle back down into the pew at First Norfolk and feed. But God taught us what it meant to finish well and to just keep our eyes focused. There were many times on that run at 5 a.m. that I could have just turned right on around and gone back to the guard shack and said, I'm going back to bed. I am not running that road. It's cold. It's dark. I can't see anything and I'm scared. We could have done the same thing overseas. But no, God has even more emblazoned us to return, to, to, to gain strength here in the States with you, to share what God is doing to empower some of you to come join us on mission, and then go back in August. So, again, Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, when Jesus called out His disciples and He was here on earth, He was with them, He was with the disciples in the daily, mundane, everyday life, when they were just walking from one location to another. He was with them in the boat, in the storms, He was with them when the unbelievers, when the Pharisees and the Sadducees were scoffing in his face and questioning his authority. He was with the disciples when they were on top of the mountain, when they had mountaintop amazing experiences and they were seeing people healed and people raised from the dead right before their very eyes. He was with them. He was with them when they denied him. When they all ran away in the garden, he was still with them. When Peter denied him in that courtyard, where was Jesus? Right in front of him. He was with him. He was with them every step of every day. And he's with us. And he's been with us from the very beginning. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Jesus has been with us from the very beginning. He created the world. He was with the Father before the world began. He came in the flesh and lived on earth, suffering as we suffer, living as we suffer, or living as we live. He is with us. And when He gave them the Great Commission, Matthew twenty-eight twenty or 19 and 20, what does He say at the end? I be, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. No one else could do or, or has done the things that Jesus did. Jesus has told us that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that He is Lord, that He will cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. And this is the gospel that, that God sent us to the Middle East to share. It is the good news that He has sent you to share with your neighbors, with the ladies at Walmart, with everyone. This is the good news. This is why we live. All we have to do is turn away. We have to repent and turn away from our sin and believe. We have to turn away from our selfishness and our anger. And I can tell you all of these that I'm telling you this is exactly some of the emotions I felt on the field and I'm a believer. Turn away from our hatred. Just the very word Muslim is is a cuss word in, in many places. Because we have such a deep-seated fear and hatred towards these people. We need to get real with that and understand that that it's real. And you know what? It's okay. Let's just deal with it, ladies. Let's just deal with it. I had some hatred and I had some fear. I still have fear. I look at that video and it makes me cry. Because I I know some of those guys in that video, they're bad guys. And they're never going to come to faith. And And it's hard to deal with. But you know what? The gospel transforms lives. We heard a story recently about a guy who was, he was a bad guy, and a believer came into his life and started pouring into his life and started showing him from scripture who Jesus was. And that guy said, if I was willing to die for Allah, for Islam, how much more would I be willing now as a believer to die for Christ? God is working among Muslims. Let's not be scared anymore. Let's not be, let's not be uh, fearful of sharing. Let's just open our mouths and share this good news that we have. So through all of that, Jesus never leaves us. He never left us. He's still with us. He's still moving throughout the world. I could tell you story after story after story of Ladies that I've met, and like I said, as I watch that video, it just brings tears to my eyes. I've walked in those streets. I've, I've talked with ladies like that. In fact, I am blessed that I still have technology that I can still communicate with them through Facebook and WhatsApp and all different kinds of ways. So let's, let's focus on changing our hearts. And let's focus on thinking about how Christ has changed our hearts so that we can can turn and share with others around us. See, when we look out at that dark road, it's all black. It's scary. It's unknown. But if we keep our eyes focused on our feet directly in front of us, God will never lead us astray. He will lead us into some things that are challenging, but he will never lead us astray, and he will always be with us. Today, I challenge you, some of this may be hard to hear because it's not all fluffy roses and bunnies. It's Easter. We have to go with that. (laughs) Little birdies and tweeting and things like that. There have been some some hard moments, very hard moments that have challenged me to my core. Um, But God is faithful. So I challenge you today. I brought two resources for you. And up here, I brought some things that um, are from our country that we were originally in. Uh, these little booklets are 31-day prayer guides. And it just gives you 30 days, 30, I said 31, 30 days. And it leads you to begin to pray for the nations, for unreached people groups. Some of them maybe you've never heard of before. Some of them you do know. Would you take one of these and begin to faithfully commit this time to God and just pray through this? The other thing that I would challenge you to take, I have lots of them, so feel free. Take as many as you want. These are stories. On one side is stories of Jesus with women, Jesus with the woman in the, at, at the well, Jesus with the woman in the issue of blood. And on the right side is Arabic. Would you take one of these and pray that God would give you the opportunity to share it with someone, with a Muslim woman in our community? Because ladies, let me tell you, I've only been back for a week and a half and they're here. There are Muslim women in Hampton Roads. If you're, if you're scared, come and talk to me. We'll walk together. I'll come alongside you, and I'll walk together. I'm here six months. I don't have a real job. <laughs> That's really not true. So anyway, take one of these. OK, I just have to confess, my whole time my feet are shoved into these heels, because I've been wearing sandals for three years. And my mom just informed me that when you wear sandals, your feet spread. So uh, I should have just worn my sandals. <laughs> so come get one of these resources. Take it. And pray that God would give you opportunity to share it with a woman. It's in English. You can read through the stories, but it's in uh, most Muslim women's heart language, which is Arabic. I want to close with this last. Um, it's a quote from a missionary named David Brainerd. He was a missionary to American Indians, and he's got an amazing testimony. Um, one part of his testimony was that he was on a certain path heading towards the pulpit. He was going to be a preacher. And some, through situations that were uh, partly his fault and partly outside of his responsibility, he could no longer be a preacher. So he said, well, now what do I do, Lord? So God led him to begin to share with the Native Americans and go into tribal villages. This was early 1800s. I don't know my history, ladies. So you can look it up on Google. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, David Brainerd went, and he had some, you will read his biography, and you'll think this man never did anything. He complained. He struggled with depression. He cried out to the Lord and said, I am not doing anything useful, Lord. And do you know that more today, more missionaries will say that their number one, the number one person that God used to lead them to the field was David Brainerd. So let me just close with this, um, this statement from him. He's saying it to the Lord and I'll use this as our, prayer and then Gail can come father draw me however unwilling to make me willing draw me slow footed to make me run father I thank you for this time I thank you for these women at first Norfolk I thank you for their ministry to me through the years and how you, you have just used them to shape me and mold me I pray for us now that you would just destroy our hearts of fear, that you would do something new in our lives. Help us to keep our eyes focused on the ground in front of us, that we would persevere and keep running, even when it's dark, even when there's fog, even when we're angry. Help us to just focus on the cross, Father. We praise you for Jesus. Thank you for never leaving us alone and for being with us. Thank you for strengthening our weak knees, Father. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Um, I've asked your mom to pray over you. This is her mom, Sharon, and she's one of our Sunday morning uh, women's life group leaders. So, Sharon, would you...
2: Thank you, God, for this time that we can meet together as women and we have um, a safe location to meet together. Um, I just pray for the women that are in these dark countries. It is so dark in those places, but you know what? You are there. Mm-hmm. You are faithful and you love these women that live in Syria, in Yemen, in Egypt, in Benghazi. And you are there with these women, Father. You are drawing these women to you. And so I just pray for the ministry um, that Abigail had, the seeds that she planted, the seeds that were from your grace into the women that were in these countries, Father. And we thank you for how you're going to grow these seeds. You planted them for a reason. And I I pray also for the ministry that's to come. Thank you that you have um, called Abigail and her family to these places and for the people that are here um, that you're drawing to go maybe and talk with a woman that's here in the United States that is from one of those countries from one of those places. Father, give the women here a heart for these women mm. that don't know you that don't know if they have a God who could love them, who don't have that reassurance that you love them, that fear every time that they have a cycle that they would be unclean and be found unworthy, and they can never, ever, ever get that sin off of them. We just pray for the women here in this building and the women here in Hampton Roads that they would reach out Mm -hmm. to all the women that come from these countries, the women that are at the schools, the women that are across the street, the women that are in the grocery stores covered and covered with sin. Mm -hmm. We thank you for what you're going to do because you are faithful. You are the with us God, Emmanuel, with us and that you want to be with them in a new and deeper way. Thank you for what you're going to do, our faithful God. In your holy name we pray, amen.
0: Thank you, Sharon.
2: It really challenges us, doesn't it?
0: That sometimes we won't even go across the street and and meet someone new. And so I hope that God has spoken to your heart, and probably right now you've got some thoughts in your mind as to someone you need to go and, and talk to. Uh, I'm glad that each one of you is here. I'll let you know now that the sale's going for next month on March 30th for the April 8th lunch because of Easter and the way things are, so don't be caught off guard by the uh, date. Also, um, just to let you know that the the, um, birdhouse at your table and the, the little bird and you could even have the other stuff if you want to. Uh, <laughs> that, that is there. But if uh, you would like to have those, the ones that are taller, the, the larger ones are $20, the smaller ones are 15 and that goes for the bird, too. Okay? So, um You can uh, let us know if you want one of those, and uh, the gals from Let's Do Lunch, and Lynette will help you with that. Also, your little favor that you got, the cookie, uh, they're delicious, and if you'd like to take that to a friend uh, as a happy, they're a dollar, and so Lynette has those there, okay? And then one more thing, out on the um, table, you're going to find some Easter uh, blessing Uh, List And you know how we do about 300 Easter baskets every year for children that are in Edmark, which is a children's hospice, uh, which are uh, children that are at uh, the shelters at uh, Union Mission. Also, um, Youth for Christ. And there's just a variety. You'll see that. And it has the things that you can do. I have one more announcement. Sandra Archbell, where are you? Okay, you want to stand up? Sandra and several women uh, in our church are, we call them the flower ladies, uh, because on Monday mornings, the, the flowers that we have in our worship center on Sunday, are, are, they're a big arrangement, and they take those flowers and make smaller arrangements, and every Monday they go to hospitals or to shut-ins uh, to just bless those people. They would love to have some of you that uh, would join them. And be a part of that. And so Sandra's going to go out at, in the uh, Grand Lobby at the table, and she will. Uh, she has a sign-up sheet that um, she can get your name and phone number. So please go and talk with them and, and learn about that ministry. It's a great ministry to be involved in. Right, Edie? Edie's part of that, yes, yeah. so again we're so grateful to have um, Abigail whoever you are uh, <laughs> uh, back uh, back here and uh, it it's just been a real blessing um, she she and her family will you'll be hearing from them and I know she's already doing some teas with some of our life groups some of our ladies' life groups and even one of our um, Dick Baker's class is doing one, right? Yeah. So um, there are other opportunities to hear from them as a family. So go forth and do good, gals.